Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I'm so excited to have my guest today, Colleen Biggs. And Colleen is an award-winning business coach who empowers women entrepreneurs who are ready to lean into their peak performance and take action so they can expand their influence, attract the right clients, and generate more money. With over 22 years of experience, she has helped launch over 340 businesses, is an international speaking speaker, author of five number one international best-selling books, with the latest being Step Into the Spotlight to Expand Your Influence, and was awarded the Mesa, Arizona Local Business Person of the Year Award, and was named a Top 10 Women Business Leader 2021 by Industry Era Women's Leaders. Colleen is dedicated to supporting, promoting, and fueling purpose-filled, powerful female voices like yours, and giving you the tools to make it happen. Now, we'll have some men on here, too, but Colleen, welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Thanks, Brett. That's okay. I have been in auditoriums full of men and women. I can speak to them both, so it's totally <laughs> fine. All right, so let's talk about your speaking journey a little bit, Colleen. So 22 years in experience, when did you first realize that speaking was maybe something that you needed to do to help grow your business? And when did it become, a, if ever, a full-time business for you? So I'm going to go all the way back to sixth grade. Some of those in the audience might have experienced this as well. We, I did not realize how much I love to speak until I found myself in detention every single day of sixth grade. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I couldn't ever understand why I was asked to, to stop talking all the time. We're talking like all the time. In fact, my grandfather used to bet me a quarter. This was, this tells me how old, everyone, how old I am, used to bet me a quarter that I couldn't stop talking for five minutes. And I never won that stupid quarter. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sharing that because I think I was born to speak, Brett. Honestly, I think all of us have a message and there are only certain individuals out there that can hear that message from us. So every single one of us should speak up um, and share what we know, our knowledge, our skill sets, inspire and motivate. So from sixth grade, I move on to corporate America. Let's just skip a few years. And I um, they put me in front of the camera and they put me in front of the a room full of uh, CEOs to start training. Uh, I just felt so 
comfortable. I don't, I never got scared. I never uh, had a fear of not remembering what I was going to say because I would never get in front of the room unless I knew what I was supposed to say and what I was supposed to do. I think that's probably nugget number one. You feel fearful and you get very worried or anxious or have anxiety um, when you don't feel comfortable, when you don't feel like you know exactly what it is that you need to say. So I started training back in the early um 90s in corporate America. So I started out as a corporate trainer first, I would say. And then I was asked to conferences to run workshops uh, and to speak on specific subjects. And I would do that through several networking groups I was part of. And that's really what started my journey of being really just being in front of a room full of hundreds of people uh, and feeling completely comfortable knowing that I could own the stage and that I should be there. So I'm, I'm taking it from your answer there, Colleen, that pretty much from the get-go, you've included speaking as part of your business building marketing toolbox, so to speak. I have, and that was in corporate America. So I have to say when I left corporate America, I really didn't know as an entrepreneur other than my own business and how I set up my business in 2019, to give you an example, I came out of corporate America, started a community called lead up for women. And I traveled to 10 cities in 10 States, put together panels of women leaders, got, got women from the area together. Uh, they paid a ticket to come to a luncheon, to network, to collaborate, to listen to women leaders for a few hours. And I created a stage for myself. So from the get go, Right when I started my community, I created a stage for myself, but I didn't know at the time, and I'm going to be honest, how to get on other people's stages because I was a newbie. I was like barely this newborn as an entrepreneur. I'd been working with them entrepreneurs for, for decades, two decades up to that point, but I had not yet figured out like, well, what do I do to get on other people's stages? So that was a learning curve coming out of corporate America. So obviously you've used speaking as a business building tool initially, primarily. Yeah. Have you dabbled in the, the keynote speaking or the platform selling worlds? I mean, which world do you feel that best fits you? Okay. I've been in all the worlds. So the pay to play worlds, the get on my stage for free world, do the virtual, you know, box world. Uh, lately, starting as of last year, 2022 uh, was my first year that I started getting paid as a keynote speaker. And uh, I think it's because I had spent the few years getting on every stage, every platform I could get on, every podcast, every magazine article, um, every summit, every conference, I would pay to play and sell from stage. Here's the thing that is so interesting. I really love both platforms, keynoting and selling from stage, because every single time you open your mouth, you're selling yourself. So it doesn't matter if someone pays you $100, if you pay $2,000, or if you are paid $7,000, whatever that number looks like for you. If you're Brene Brown or Mel Robbins, you're probably paid $30,000 at this point. It doesn't really matter what you're paid. I'm telling you, every time you open your mouth, 
you are selling from stage. So it is so important to capture the individuals, even if you're not hard selling a product from stage so that they can follow you afterwards. How many of you have sat in the audience and really was captivated by an individual on stage and you had no you had no idea how to follow them on Instagram or LinkedIn or any social media platform, get to their website, find a book, buy a book. So we have to make sure as speakers that we are giving each person in the audience, whether we're keynoting, um, I would say if you are keynoting, make sure that you're you're seeding throughout your conversation how people can follow you on Instagram and you will instantly watch people pick up their phones while you're speaking and go in and start following you on Instagram. Every time I speak, my follower numbers go up because I mention my book. I mention how easy it is for them to follow me, uh, to get more tips, to uh, stay inspired after that day. So you like you like to play in all the worlds, which is great. I mean, man, there's very few people that actually have mastered the best of both of those worlds. So what in the platform selling situation, Colleen, what would maybe two or three of your, your biggest tips for success for the platform seller be? Okay, number one tip for the platform seller, and I'm just going to back up real quick and say, I don't think I've mastered either one of them. I think speaking is a lifelong mastery. We get better every time we get on stage. We connect more and more every time that we have the opportunity to be seen, to be heard, and to be visible. And it is the number one way to grow your business. So let's just throw that out there. So the number one tip I would give if you're on a selling platform is sell one thing. <laughs> I see too many people on platforms mm -hmm. saying you can have this or you can have this or you can have this. Now, there's nothing wrong with creating um, a strategic way for selling that one thing. If you want to say today only, you know, you can discount it or today only you can add bonuses. But the goal is to sell one thing, make it very easy for the attendees to just grab exactly what you're selling and tell them what to do. That's probably tip number two. We should probably move quickly to tip number two. Don't assume that the audience knows what to do when you put a QR code up or if you have a link up, right? So I will literally say to the audience, if I'm on a selling platform, get your phones out, scan the QR code behind me, and then I'll pause. And if I, there's like five people getting phones that I said, no, no, I was serious about that. Everyone get your phones out. And then everybody gets their phone out. They will just follow the prompts and uh -huh. do exactly what you say, whether they actually buy it or not. But now what you've done is you've gotten the information into their phone. It's right there into their phone. So I work with a platform called 360. It's one of my favorite platforms that I work with. I don't know if you know Ray Perez, but he created yeah. this 360 platform and why I love it is because I can have people scan my information and it literally drops it right into their phone. All they have to do is click an arrow and all my contact information goes straight into their phone. And then I can just say the first 10 people that send me their name and uh, email address win XYZ. And then everyone's sending me their name and email address. So now I have their phone numbers. I have their names. I have their email addresses. It's, it's a talk that I do when I sell on a lot of summits where I talk about 
to speakers like today, how to build a community from stage. You've got to have something that they are able to capture right away and that you are able to capture their information right away. Freebies are great. Downloads are great. We all have them, right? We all have them for specific areas and what we do, but we need to make sure that we are utilizing every tool that we have and having everything in one place, like a 360 platform, like I do. Um, you can see me speak on there. You can buy my book on there. You can see one of my highest watch YouTube videos on there. You can get to magazine articles I've written. When you're on a website, usually you got to move around a lot to get to those items. Mm -hmm. And that platform I use, I do it because I'm a speaker and it allows me mm -hmm. to get everyone into a, you know, kind of one place. All right. So here's a question for you, Colleen. So when you go into an event and a promoter brought you to their stage and you're doing the, let's just call it name grab by using a QR code or whatever, are you having to seek special permission from them ahead of time to do that? Because that's their audience that you're grabbing names at it. Yeah, so it really depends on the audience. If I'm a keynote speaker, I ask permission every time. If I'm allowed to use a slide that would have them be able to download something uh, that I could be offering, I'm not asking their audience to purchase anything. I'm just asking the audience if they want to follow me or get more information from me. If they want, you know, I ask that question all the time. Uh, so I always get permission. The other thing I get permission from as a keynote are books. Sometimes the company will want to purchase the books from you because they want to be able to give those books out. So to you, it, you know, it appears that, oh, you're giving all these free books out. Sometimes they'll say, hey, bring books with you. You can absolutely set up a table somewhere because we would love for people to be able to come and mingle with you afterwards to get uh -huh. to know you a little bit better. And so that's really cool too, because now that we can mingle with each other and I can get more information from them. They can talk to me. I am more about the connection that you make with individuals than selling. So I would say one of my favorite platforms is most likely keynoting over selling, but either one of them I feel comfortable doing. The goal is to get the audience to know you. So you've got to tell personal stories to like you. So you've got to warm them up and connect with them and be relaxed around them and then really trust you. And the way they trust you is when you're able to not BS people and really just kind of connect on a level with them. That's, you know, me to you and kind of come through to their, you know, pull on the heartstrings a little bit and really be there with them. So I love your advice calling about, offering one thing because there's somebody you know, a confused mind doesn't buy so it's yes or no that's the only choices they got to make and so that that's great advice and you know i often caution people that when you're going on that platform if you're going into a multiple speaker event the platform promoter the event promoter is going to want to typically ha have you offer a high ticket item because they're going to usually do a 50 50 split with you and so don't go in with the mind that you're going to just, you know, sell a $20 book or whatever. you got to figure out what's going to work best in that scenario, certainly. But event promoters want to make money. And so they don't want <laughs> they don't want $20 products being sold from their platform, by and large. Now, you talk about you know, the importance of, of building rapport and the like factor and all that. So what are some of your keys, Colleen, to building better rapport with your audiences? I actually did a YouTube video on this not too long ago. And some and of the best. It should be fresh in your mind. <laughs> no, it is. 
Some of the best ways to build rapport with your audience is A, interact with your audience. So many people forget this. They think I have 30 minutes, this is my time, and they just word vomit all over the audience. It's not like that. Right. So if you have a chance to I, I would a dig into the company that you're keynoting at long before you get there, understand their industry. I'll share a quick story. I was just hired by the city of Mesa to uh, work with their clerks and they do an annual conference in the summer and it's a three day conference and they bring in a keynote speaker to motivate and inspire in the middle of all this training because everyone's exhausted. So you're there to literally motivate and inspire them. And they said the last speaker they had kept talking about the courts and the courts and the courts. And she was like, we don't even walk into the court. This person kept referring to the courts, but but we were all so hung up on the courts and why she kept talking about the courts. So know the company that you're going to, know what they do, know what matters, talk to the contact that you have and the individuals so that you know where their challenges are. When you talk their language and you are relating to them and their challenges and what they're going through, they drop all their guards at that point because they're like, wow, she really knows my struggles. So I tend to talk to a lot of women-filled rooms because I'm a woman and I understand the struggles of a woman because I'm a woman. So I tend to talk mainly in rooms of women, uh, Women's Council of Realtors or Farmers Insurance, and it could be all women, you know, that are running these individual businesses. So I get brought in a lot to motivate and inspire women. So I would say no matter who you are, you have to connect with the audience. So if you're a male, Brett, and you're walking into a room full of women that are, let's say that it's about, you know, equality or whatever, don't act like you know what their struggle is, right? You can have empathy toward it. You can say what a man's responsibility is in the workplace and how they can strategically assist women in being sponsored or being elevated in their positions or, you know, how we um, can take a woman and use her skills in certain areas. But you can never walk in the room and say, I know your struggles because right away, everyone in the room's just going to turn off and be like, Brett, right. you have no idea you're a man. Right. So we have to be realistic about reading the room and who's in the room. So having engagement with the audience, I love to have engagement with the audience, have people participate by raising their hands or standing up or sitting down, you know, showing um, an experiment by having half the room stand up or half the room sit down or whatever it may be and say, this is how many, you know, I could have a ton of people stand up and have just a few people remain standing and say, this is how many women are actually in the industry of, you know, from out of the United States that are in this industry of uh, construction. If I'm mm -hmm. talking to, a, and they, they look at those numbers and they're like, whoa, right. There's very few women. And that I would obviously have to have a point on why I was making that point, but physical gestures of having the audience stand up or sit down or turn to a person next to them and high five them or tell their neighbor something, maybe even have them stop for a moment at their tables, have a conversation. This creates rapport amongst the now the attendees. So they might know each other, but now you've connected yourself to the individuals, the individuals to each other. Now you've connected more and deeper that trust of the individuals 
to you, right? They're they're going along the journey with you. Uh, telling stories is great. That's another tip. When you tell personal stories, you're allowing people into your personal world. And that is something, especially if you're speaking to corporate America, is not something that's an everyday occurrence that happens. It's you have you have your home life and then you have your work life. That's kind of how corporate sees it. It's weird, but I've been part of it for 30 years, so I understand it. I stepped out of that world. I retired from corporate America or dropped out or whatever you want to call it and have just decided that it is my work is is my family. Everything is this is my life. It's what I do. And so I love being able to relate to them and help them bring bring them into my world so that they um, can get a little bit more comfortable with who I am and the struggles that I've had and had to overcome. Well, so such a great advice, Colleen. And I so appreciate you talking about really looking at who's going to be in that audience ahead of time. Because one of the things, by and large, I see speakers inherently weak at is doing their homework ahead of time for any speaking engagement, whether it's a corporate keynote or whether it's a multi-speaker event and finding out who else is going to be on that platform. What are they talking about? What's their price point, et cetera. I mean, I've seen horror stories where a promoter had three speakers all on the subject of copywriting on the same at the same event well you mean audience is totally tuned out by the time they get to the third person yeah. and their chance of selling anything from that platform was like zero so do your homework ahead of time so colleen i have a couple other questions i wish to ask you but before we do let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world and now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world if that's you then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. And my guest this week is Colleen Biggs. And Colleen has been sharing some Real pearls here, so I would highly encourage you to give this episode a second listen. But uh, Colleen, one of my favorite questions to ask my guest is always, okay, bear your soul a little bit here, Colleen. Share maybe a couple of mistakes that you made along the way that may have been embarrassing, but would be good advice to aspiring speakers to not make those mistakes. I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was not believing in myself to... When I first started speaking, you know, in the networking sector, when they were hiring me for conferences, I would overuse PowerPoint and I would have podiums where I had notes and I would just read verbatim notes and follow PowerPoints because I felt like I had to deliver all this content to this audience. And honestly, they just get, it's just too much. It's too much. And so I find now the best trainings I do, the best workshops I do, uh, the best keynotes I do, um, we'll just stick with that. We could do self from stage or interviews really are to come with your knowledge and to come with knowing that you're going to be asked a question about something that you do or already know. And we just need to speak from that space. Do not ever, ever, ever 
step on a stage without having some outline of knowing what you're going to say. That is not what I'm saying. I am not saying that God's going to deliver every word to you and it's just going to come out perfectly and you walk on stage blank and not knowing what you're going to say and hope, hope that it goes the right way. So I would say probably the most embarrassing thing looking back now, which I didn't know now because you don't know what you don't know until you know. But then when I when I knew, it was like, you can command a stage without having so much content that you feel like the value of the content is overshadowing you. And that was a worthiness issue that I had. I felt like I needed to give all this content, 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 content. When honestly, you can bullet out about four, three stories maybe, or two stories in a, you know, a three stories in a 30 minute timeline and fill and make sure that you start and end with the subject in mind of what were you there to teach? What were you there to inspire and motivate on and wrap it up at the end with those same points so that they feel like there was closure and that the the talk had a, a beginning and an end. Never leave them hanging like, what did that mean? What did she mean when she said that? Or why did she end it like that? You know, like a movie that you watch and it ends and you just look at each other and you go, I want two hours of my life back. I have no idea what that was. Never leave them hanging. So th that was probably the biggest mistake was over content and PowerPoints. I do not even use PowerPoints. I do more like TEDx, maybe one or two slides if they have something available for me to use a slide. But know that the electricity could go out. Your uh, slides could not work that day on whatever system that they have. There's so many factors that have happened to me where uh, the mic wasn't working and I had to just set the mic down and scream the entire time so people could hear me in the back. So what I did was I started walking around the room, you know, to be able to get my voice, to be able to be uh, shared and brought everybody in a little bit closer. So know that things aren't always going to go exactly the way that you think they're going to go. And, and not let that shake you and just really be prepared. But uh, be, I would say be prepared to know your talk. But also there's this intuition that you can't have a canned speech. Because if you're not relating, like you said, to the audience and they're dead out there, like knock, knock, knock. No, they're yawning. They're on their phones. No one's paying attention to you. You got to mix it up. And you've got to get them engaged and you've got to get them doing something because that means they're not listening to you and you're wasting your time. You're wasting the coordinator's time and you're wasting your time and their time. So which is more important in your mind, Colleen? Content or entertainment? Oh, entertainment by far. <laughs> Okay, I, I think there's a 50-50 there, but I will tell you, and I could ask every single person right now listening to this, which speech have you ever sat in an audience and watched that you remember? They're never going to say the person that delivered the most content was the one I remember ever. They're going to say the one that entertained me the most, right? The one that maybe made me laugh or maybe made me cry or maybe that person made me contemplate Am I doing this right? I need that, you know, I I need to change what I'm doing or that person that felt inspired to go do something different. I had a lady walk up to me after my last talk that I did at a women's breakfast in California in December. And she said to me, you know, I never thought of my job 
in the way that you explained it today. I never really looked at it like I have the power to make that change. I always waited for somebody else to do it for me. But now after listening to you today, I know that I can go in tomorrow and make that change and that I'm going to be so much happier at my job. And I said, well, congratulations. I'm so glad that you feel that way, <laughs> that you got that from today. So that raises an interesting question in my mind. How do you measure your success as a speaker, Colleen? The impact that I make on others. So I really feel like the impact that we make, the changes that if anyone goes out and does something different because of hearing you, if they um, change one thing in their life because they heard you say something, if they uh, feel different about themselves, if they see themselves in a different light, if they go on to pursue uh, something that really matters to them because they were afraid to do it and then they heard you speak and now they feel like they have the courage to be able to do it. No one is going to move a mountain until they watch another person move it. It's no different than the four minute mile. Every doctor out there said it couldn't be done. The heart would explode. All these medical, you know, uh, specialists lined up saying can't be done until the first person broke the four minute mile. Then many people broke it after them because they just had to know it was possible. Our responsibility from stage is to share with the audience what's possible and give them the courage and the inspiration and the motivation to do that. Whatever industry you're speaking to, it could be a trucking industry. You could be speaking to a room full of daycare coordinators. You could be speaking to a room full of CFOs. It doesn't matter who's in the room. Every single individual at every single level, there's a doubt in our minds that it's something's not possible. And our responsibility as a speaker is to show them it is. Well, this has been such a wonderful interview, Colleen, and you've shared lots of great tips for aspiring speakers. I would like you to take a couple of minutes, if you would, and tell people a little bit more about what you're doing and how people can get involved in your world if they so choose. Thank you, Brett. So for all the females out there that are listening, um, I run a company called the Leap Community, and I renamed it and rebranded it in 2022 from Lead Up for Women. So since 2019, I've been gathering thousands of women that want to build businesses, female entrepreneurs in a community together. We not only collaborate and connect, but the most important thing we do in this community is make it all about you. I really believe that we as entrepreneurs need need the support, need the visibility, need to be seen, need to be heard in everything that we do. So how you get your brand out there is by not being the world's best kept secret. And after assisting, you know, 300 CEOs, like you said, in opening businesses, there is no such thing as I'll build it and they will come. You have to get out there and tell everybody about you. So I created those platforms for women in my community to be able to do that through masterclasses that they teach. We do LinkedIn live videos, YouTube live videos. We do a live uh, podcast. There's so many different opportunities for women to be on platforms, to be spotlighted through social media, newsletters, you name it. We do everything we can to keep their name out there. I'm also, like you mentioned, a business coach, and I've been working with women specifically female entrepreneurs to help close that gap between where they are now and what their true potential is as an entrepreneur. And, you know, the money follows when we really push ourselves out of our comfort zone. It's one of the reasons why I became a black belt. There's 3% of individuals in the entire world that are first degree black belts. And I did it 
to see physically and mentally what was possible for me. So I want to ask your audience, when was the last time they actually did something for themselves that pushed themselves out of their comfort zone where they didn't know what was going to happen? That's when the big growth happens. That's when the big changes in each one of us happen. So um, you can find me everywhere at Colleen Biggs. You can look me up on Google. Uh, you can go to ColleenBiggs.net. You'll find my uh, website. There is, uh, you can't not find me on uh, Google. So if it's any advice I can give all of you as speakers out there to be able to be seen and be heard and be visible at the rate that I've created that um, search engine optimization for myself, there aren't any other Colleen Biggs out there. What are you doing to put yourself on platforms, on other people's stages, in articles, in magazines, on podcasts, on summits, on conferences, so that your name is seen everywhere? Um, so that's how everyone can find me. You can follow me on Instagram. That's a great place because I love to do videos out there, YouTube. It's all there. So when we were talking before the show, Colleen, you mentioned some type of free training resource that you had that would sound like it'd be very valuable for any entrepreneur. So could you tell people what that's all about? Yeah. So you're going to get a sneak peek into the last book that I wrote, which was Step Into the Spotlight to Expand Your Influ Influence to Attract the Right Clients. So this guide is called Seven Ways to Attract Your Dream Clients, to Get Visible and Attract Your Dream Clients. So there's videos of authors that were in my book, and they tell you in, in different platforms like Instagram, stages, how you can get more visible and the steps that you can take to do that. So this is a very directive uh, download. So not only are you going to get the guide that tells you take these seven simple steps. You're also going to get videos. Uh, you're going to get a lot of uh, information that's going to really support you in your in your uh, journey to becoming more visible. All right. Well, outstanding. We will make sure that the link to that particular resource is in the show notes down below. But I want to sincerely thank Colleen Big for joining me today as my guest on the Spotlight on Speaking show been a wonderful interview. Again, I'd give it a second listen if you are wanting to get into the speaking business because she shared so much great information. And I would certainly encourage you to go to Colleen's website and find out more about what she is doing. But if you haven't already, go to spotlightonspeaking.com and register there with your favorite service to be notified of upcoming episodes. And as always, I wish you the greatest of success in all that you do. And may 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.